Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And this week, Jack, Chris and Phil from the Wiki Shuffle Podcast. Hello. 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 We did that out of sequence. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, different. Wrong order. You did it, you did it in a round, like you're doing a song in a school assembly. Uh, the, Chris jumped the gun there. Yeah. yeah the, the thing here says... Insert pod plug here, so I think that's where you're meant to plug your podcast. I, th- I think we've had about eight or nine plugs on your podcast already. <laughs> so it feels yeah, a bit rude, but, but, um, but you're in we'll now, so. <laughs> um, Phil? Uh, Wiki Shuffle is a weekly podcast where we press the random article button on Wikipedia and then we wax lyrical about whatever might come up, mm-hmm. um, hopefully fairly entertainingly along the way. See, I, I put talk nonsense on all of our like Twitter bio and stuff, and Phil's changed it to wax lyrical. Yeah. I, I think Talks Nonsense is still probably a little bit more suited, but you can make your own minds up. And you didn't actually put Talks Nonsense, you put chat shit. <laughs> yeah, we are. So yeah, if you want to hear us chat shit for 45 minutes a week, you can find us at wikishuffle.co.uk. I'll be waxing lyrical. That was a good like, <laughs> like on the recent episode, when you were uh, waxing lyrical on some poetry. Yeah, I was trying to do the source material justice. <laughs> we we don't want to mention that just just in case we scare off any listeners. Um, yeah, I yeah. suppose you can find out for yourselves. We'll keep them in suspense. <laughs> yeah, okay. but of course you've done quiz casts with us in the past. Two quiz yeah. casts. Yeah, I've been yeah. on the um, the Fail Critics as a guest before as well, talking about Chappie, I believe it was. Um, yes. So yeah, we're we're stalwarts. Uh, stalwarts. You know what I mean by now. I know what you mean. But Chris and Phil have never been on just one of our regular podcasts. You no, guys are... I don't think we have. Uh, mm. the, the anticipation is palpable. Mm. You could cut the atmosphere. So much palp. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. Knee, knee in palp. Both of us. Oh, it's, it's everywhere. Got just palp up to here. Full I didn't palp. expect palp to be this sticky. Palp, palp fiction. <laughs> Emperor Palpatine. Why is everything we do filthy? Why does this always happen? <laughs> Could be your finishing move, Chris. Yeah. In wrestling. Oh yeah. <laughs> Juicy bits. Yeah. Um, it makes sense to go into the quiz now. Um, unfortunately, I will apologise to Callum. I did not watch Wet Hot American Summer. Here we go. I have. Yeah. I've just run out of time this week. I've, I've been working too much. They don't give me days off at the minute, so I just had no time. But I have prepared a quiz of my own, and as you'll see throughout this podcast, as we have Wiki Shuffle on, I have Wiki Shuffled myself. Not literally myself. I've not got a Wikipedia page. I've been doing my own Wiki Shuffling. Oh, good. Um, and I've. It took ages to find film-related stuff. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. mostly just small towns in Poland and Afghanistan. Yeah. Moths. And yeah. moths. Yeah. Lots of moths. Yeah, it, it, there were some things that I don't need to learn about that I know about now, but I've instantly forgotten as well. That's um, what this podcast is for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every day. But, but I did manage to find some things. And for the quiz, I'm going to use the 21st People's Choice Awards. Ooh. Right. And I will give you a give you a clue they were held on mark this is just a clue of, of so you can think back to, to what the answers might be i'm going to use some tv and film categories and so it was held in march 1995 so covered mainly 1994 the people's choice awards the 21st okay. variety and i'm going to start off it's basically shout out your name if you know the answer 
and you'll get the uh, point. Most this is quite heavily loaded in our favour then. Three Mm. on. Yeah. I know Owen. Owen does know a lot about 1994 television film. (laughs) TV films from 1994. TV and films. Okay. Not TV films. That would just be horrible. That's a bit niche, even for me. Yeah. Uh, So the first one up is what was according to the 21st ever People's Choice Awards the favourite new TV comedy of 1994. Jack. That was Jack, I think. Um, Friends. You are correct. It was Friends. Oh, what, what a fantastic start. The Continue with the TV theme here. Uh, what was the favourite male TV performer of Philip. that year? Yes, Philip. It's not you. <laughs> <laughs> David Duchovny. You are incorrect. David Duchovny. Owen? Owen? Uh, you... Jerry Seinfeld? It was not Jerry Seinfeld. Can we have another you guess? Will... Um, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Can I have a guess getting the point? Yeah, go on then. Kelsey Grammer? No, you won't, oh, none of you will believe this. I'm so sure. It was Tim Allen for Home Improvement. Oh, for <sighs> <my> sake. <laughs> Not having that. <laughs> Tim Allen was. No, was what it? was the noise? It was something like <laughs> that. No, that was, that no, was the it. noise that he used to make. That was the That was in the credits. That, that he made that noise, yeah. I think. Did it? Let's just forget all about Home Improvement. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I already had. Right, so the next question then. Favourite comedy motion picture? 94. I don't know. Owen? Yes, Owen. It's something with Tom Hanks in it? No. Okay. Okay. Philip, it's something with Eddie Murphy in it? No. It it would really help the quiz if one of you shouted out your name and then guessed the film. (laughs) (laughs) Jack? Yes, Jack. Liar, liar? No. Owen, over to you. From 94, is it uh, Ace Ventura? It's not. The answer uh, is... Yes, Chris. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, go on. You don't get a point, but have a guess. It's Dumb and Dumber? No. In a, in a great year for Tim Allen, it was the Santa Claus. <laughs> he is literally cleaned up. <laughs> I keep forgetting that this is the People's Choice Awards and people are stupid. Yes, they are. Um, yeah, audience. <laughs> Uh, now next one favourite dramatic motion picture Jack yes Jack Shawshank no Philip Philip, Schindler's List no No. oh and they've had two guesses this time so you can have a crack at this one from what 94 yes god two guesses it's not Forrest Gump it was oh Oh, Forrest Gump it is now poised at one apiece and I'm going into the final question now um, the fifth question, and it is favorite actor in a comedy motion picture. Jack. Yes, Jack. Is it Tim Allen? It is Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> a hat trick for Tim Allen. Hand the loft. I can only imagine like Alan Shearer celebrating a goal. So yes, Wiki Shuffle win the quiz as we always do. Yes, in my yeah. mind at least. <laughs> uh, favorite actress in a dramatic motion picture that year went to Jodie Foster for a film called Nell. I've not heard of that one. No. Uh, Tom uh, Hanks also got favourite actor in a dramatic motion picture, Forrest Gump. Favourite TV comedy was Home Improvement. What, what are we missing? Is that... Just... Then it was like Home Improvement? No. 
what was the format for Home Improvement? Was it like a, a DIY documentary? He had, he had, yeah. No, Tim Allen had his own DIY show. He was a character who's, who had a family and a DIY TV show. And he had a neighbour who you only ever saw the top of his head. Hat. You only saw, oh. yeah. Called Wilson? Yeah. Was yeah. that the name of a volleyball and Tim... Tim it's just blurring into one now, Tom Hanks. And he had, a, he had a mate called Al. Was he playing was... Tim Allen or was he playing a, a fictional character? Um, I will I, I will have a look. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just want to... The name of the DIY show on Home Improvement was called Tool Time. Uh, Pamela Anderson was the first Tool Time girl. So uh, he was playing Timothy Tim Taylor. So ah. not uh, a version of him. Well, probably a version of himself. It's nice that Tom Hanks and Tim Allen done so well in that year and then ended up doing Toy Story together. Yeah, and it's nice that Tim Allen then disappeared from the face of the earth. <laughs> Until Toy Story 2 and then Toy Story 3. Well, I'll forgive Toy Story, but, you know, yeah. the rest of his career is hardly a shining light. He made enough money to thankfully never be in anything else again. Mm-hmm. On to the news now. And, uh, after a few weeks where we've had a sparse amount of film news, we are now chock full of it, Owen with trailers being released left, right and centre. Yeah, some not through proper streams either. So um, basically what's happened is Comic-Con's been going on and trailers have come out for all the latest comic book films. Some of them for films that aren't even finished yet, like Deadpool, where they said, we're sorry, but some of the CGI looks crap in this because we're still working on it. Stuff like uh, Suicide Squad had a trailer, which was meant to be shown exclusively to the Comic-Con audience, but then, of course, got leaked. So uh, the next thing you know, the actual trailer is being released to the studio and saying, look, we're sorry, we apologise, but due to pirates, people stealing our material, we have to release it now so that you see it in the proper quality, which I think is a load of bullshit anyway. It seems a lot like marketing to me. But the other one... um, is Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice has has sort of had a trailer come out and has a mixed reception, I think. Batman, Batman's of, helmet looks stupid. His helmet looks stupid. Yeah. He also has goggles at one point. I think. It just like it doesn't look like what is it called? The usual thing he wears, which is like a little bit of material over eyes. It looks like a proper helmet, and it looks stupid. Or is it just me? Well, it kind of looks like they're trying to imitate Frank Miller's version of Batman. He is, um, yeah. Where he's a little bit fat. Batman got a little bit fat in that one. He did. So, I think and that's it, what they're trying to do. Yeah, and giving him that sort. Of, well, Ben Affleck's uh, got quite a big jaw. <laughs> anyway, a Russ Abbott is... character. <laughs> yeah, I'm the old, only one old enough to remember. Yep. What an atmosphere. <laughs> that's Russ Abbott. Russ Abbott had a character called Fat Man, um, whose thing was being fat. Was he? Was he? Was he a superhero? Or was it just like a it, different? Uh, different. He was a superhero. Yeah. Is Zack Snyder directing that one? I don't <laughs> think that Zack Snyder was involved. He was what attached was... at one point, but what what was the what what was Fat Man's powers? I I think it was just diabetes. Because... <laughs> yeah. because I because I'm fat and it's not a power. No, I think I think if I got stabbed in the stomach, I'd probably save a few internal organs, and that'd be about the only benefit of it. <laughs> I think Bella Emberg played his sidekick as well, who was also fat. It's all a no. Never mind. Back back to current events, <laughs> rather than ITV television from 1986. ITV television's not really moved on since 1986, is it? No. 
Yeah, so have you guys actually seen any of these trailers? I've seen Suicide Squad, which looks interesting. I've seen Dawn of Justice, which uh, doesn't appeal to me. Just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. And the other two, no, I've not seen. I um, I watched the Suicide Squad trailer purely to look at Margot Robbie for a bit, but that was. <laughs> she's the best thing about that film, I think. I think she's the best thing about Planet Earth. Hmm. Well, she probably will be the best thing in Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, but if I don't like Jared Leto. I, 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 I don't know what it is. It's just it's not doing it for me. His Joker. just in general, or as the Joker, as the, mainly as the Joker. I just <laughs> I, I don't know. It didn't. People said that about Heath Ledger before. Yeah, but then the trailer came out, and then I was fine with it. But this one, I just do. His tattoos are a bit lame. Yeah. Will Smith. Uh, I'll I'll give Will Smith a go at anything at the moment. Ever. I'll give him a chance. He's not ruined it enough yet that I'll stop giving him a chance. Mm. I'd agree with that. He's always over earnest, but he's he's always an enjoyable screen presence. I think. I was talking to my friend today, and he does that thing in the trailer where he says the name of the film. Will <laughs> Smith seems to do these days. <laughs> oh, with the Suicide Squad. I, I know. We're at the film. <laughs> Doesn't do it in Men yeah. in Black 3, though, does he? Mm. He does it with I Am Legend, but he does it in most clips of him, so... Does he say I Am Legend in I Am Legend? I don't know, probably. <laughs> he's, he's got a big ego. <laughs> he sings in Wild Wild West. He sings the theme tune to that in the trailer. That's why he's gone downhill, because he stopped singing the theme tune to his films. Mm-hmm. And if he can do one for Suicide Squad, it'll be a hit. Yeah. But seriously, that and After Earth, where he keeps just pushing his son, whose name I can't remember... It's who's not a very good actor at oh, all. Oh, is it Jaden? Jaden Smith? Yeah. Jaden Smith, yeah. He seems to be a ridiculous human being on, on every mm. level. He wore a white Batman suit to his prom, <laughs> <laughs> which is a very unique thing to do. His helmet looks stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's things like that just make me think he's great. His acting's rubbish, he sucks. But doing stuff like that is just brilliant. Yeah, I mean, his Twitter is full of some pretty interesting yeah. philosophical questions. Didn't Will Smith say if if he was white, he would be a philosopher? He would be taken seriously as a philosopher? I don't think he would. I've read some of the tweets. Mm. If I <laughs> if I said it, you wouldn't take me seriously. Ask Sheila Booth how easy that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had to take the quote in Eric Cantona. <laughs> now, if you're French, you get a pass and you can just do it. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I suppose spinning off of all these superhero trailers being released, um, it's been announced Ben Affleck is writing and directing and starring in basically doing everything, taking corners, penalties, free kicks, everything, uh, a new solo Batman film. Yeah, which is the most predictable piece of news to come out of the whole of Comic-Con, I think. He loves to write, direct and star in films. But he is quite good at it. Uh, The town was really good. I really liked that film. Hmm. Argo was pretty good. Argo was good as well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, This would be my... I'll give this one a chance, because I love Batman, so I'll give it a go. But if this doesn't work for me, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with superheroes. No, you're turning my back on Batman. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I don't think it'll get close to the quality of like Nolan at his best doing Batman. No, I do really quite like those films still. Mm -hmm. Um, It's quite it's quite strange for a a reboot to be coming off the back of like so soon after successful what like and and quite good films of this like Spider Man is being rebooted again after shit Spider Man films. Batman is being rebooted after good Batman films. So it's got, like, no one's thinking, oh, it'd be good to see a good Batman film. The last one's rubbish. Everyone's thinking, it's going to have to be pretty good because the last one's really good. 
This one's got a lot to live up to. Have you seen who's playing Spider-Man's aunt? Is it Marissa uh, Tomei, I think is her name? Is it? Like that? Yeah, Marissa Tomei. Yeah. I've heard that name before. Tomei. <laughs> yeah, well, she she's still playing an older woman, so I guess that's all right, Chris. Yeah, it's all fine by me. <laughs> uh, but I, I, there was another trailer that was shown at Comic Con and has since been released that I'm really excited about, I'm, which I'm is Ash, be excited. Ash versus the Evil Dead. Oh yeah, it looks great, doesn't it? Just it looks fun. It, lo- it looks exactly like Evil Dead should look. It, look, rather it than... looks stupid fun. Yeah completely over the top, full of gore and blood. But the, the I mean it's what the last Evil Dead film, which I thought was alright, the that. remake. I thought I, loved... I thought I thought it was good, but it didn't really feel like the original Evil Dead films did. Whereas this TV show looks like it it is definitely exactly the same. Which could just be because Bruce Campbell's back, but I thought the tone of it looked spot on. Yeah, I agree. I'm very excited about it. Good. Good. <laughs> good. On to complaints now. And Timothy Spall's arse has upset some people. Yes, the BBFC. They received uh, 19 complaints. 19 people yes. wrote in over the brief shot in the 12A film compared to a dozen for the second most complained about film, Steve McQueen's Oscar-winning race drama, 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. is uh, Have any of you guys seen that film? No, I haven't. I keep meaning to. Mm. No, not yet. Um, I like the quote here. In Lay's film, Spool's clothed bucket buttocks are seen clenching vigorously. They're clothed. What are you complaining about? <laughs> it's still Timothy Spool's buttocks, to be fair. You know. Imagine having an arse so vile that people would complain <laughs> oh, about it God. even when it's clothed. <laughs> it's clenching. I can see it clenching. But what what makes somebody think? I bet they were written letters. I bet nobody emailed these complaints. I bet they're handwritten letters by old people who are. Boring, not like normal. Like some old people are alright, but like the kind of people who are old and they've got nothing better to do in life than write complaints. They come home. <laughs> I saw an arse in the cinema. Fuck off. It, yeah. <laughs> um. Good point. Well made. Uh. I guess it's just because it's a twelve A, and people are saying that this. I think it's more the nature of the scene that they think shouldn't been in. Shouldn't have been in a twelve A, and. The media have sort of sensationalised it and called it his buttocks that have caused the complaints. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I can't even remember the scene. I really like that film, and I can't even remember what bit they're talking about. It's a bit with his ass. A bit with his ass, yeah, probably. Mm. You know the one. Just remember. Yep. Just remember his ass, Owen. Okay, I've got it. I've visualised it. Remember. Yeah. Think. I can remember the thrusting and the clenching. I don't think there's any thrusting. The article doesn't mention thrusting. But, it, you know, the, the, the other thing is that, you know, they're saying it's actually a lot less complaints than they normally get for films in a year. It was the highest complained about film in 19 complaints. But then in the same article on The Guardian, they mentioned how The Dark Knight uh, in 2012 got 300 complaints. So really, 19 complaints is kind of nothing. But yeah, I just thought it was quite amusing to see that Timothy Spall's arse caused outrage. Poor Timothy. He doesn't deserve that. And he's such a good actor and he's been so much like stuff. And then his bum is a controversial (laughs) subject. I've been in so many films. (laughs) (laughs) Dedicated my life to this craft. (laughs) Shame. And people still think he's from like Wolverhampton because of Ophie Design Pair. And it's still a bit weird to see him speak in. A posh accent. He's not actually from the Midlands. I can't get over that. Mm. I didn't know that. Every day's a school day on failed critics. There are some there you posh go. people in the Midlands, Owen. 
Are there? Yeah, there's like three. What? <laughs> Where? <laughs> Just in a little conclave, kind of like some town from Harry Potter where it's in a different dimension. Yeah, why not? Fair enough. Uh, to end part one, <laughs> to end part one, we're on to the next part of my wiki shuffling for the this week's podcast. Um, and the first film I came across um, was a Swedish film. No, not one of those ones. <laughs> it was a 2012 film called Cool Girl. Um, so it could have been one of those ones, but it's not once you hear the description. It's a fictionalised version of events based on a so-called Swedish word, political scandal of the 1970s Sweden, which linked several prominent politicians to a prostitution ring that included underage girls. And this is why I realised why wiki shuffling must be really hard for all of you. (laughs) (laughs) We do end up just talking about horrific things most weeks. Yes, uh, and this is a film version of a scandal from 1976 in Sweden where it sounds like politicians were doing what BBC presenters of the day were doing. Uh, to be fair, English politicians of today are doing as well. Let's, well, yeah. let's not forget that. Particularly British people in positions of power and influence in the 1970s were doing what the same people in Sweden were doing. So it wasn't just a problem with Britain. Yeah, it's fine. Then. <laughs> yeah. Hooray! It's yeah. the whole world's at it. Yeah. Really matter, just it? nature. We, everyone, <laughs> we, every, everyone else was at it, so it's fine. <laughs> we haven't really made a film about it yet, so maybe we've got something to who look forward play, to who soon. Would play, who would play Jimmy Savile in your version of that? <laughs> Is this a genuine question? Tom Hardy, we gonna Tom Hardy could do a great Jimmy Savile. Yeah. Charlie Sheen, maybe? Alistair McGowan's playing him in like a stage show, isn't he? Yeah, but Alistair McGowan plays everyone, so... Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, but no, he is, he, is, yeah, he is playing him in a stage show. So does Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hardy playing Alistair McGowan playing Jimmy Savile. That could work. Ian McKellen. I would watch Tom Hardy play anybody <laughs> or anything, though, so... I think you could have a film of the, the 70s BBC paedophile ring where Tom Hardy plays every single character. What, in the same way that Eddie Murphy played everyone in The Nutty Professor? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, that's yes, the kind but of a tone that be going for. This is why we don't people don't take us seriously. I don't know what your problem is. I'm really looking forward to the nutty radio presenters. <laughs> This part of the podcast then is where we take a look at some films we've been watching in the last week or so that aren't essentially new releases. Um, So, Owen, why don't you kick us off in this section? Sure, okay. I actually watched a film from 1994, weirdly, that didn't seem to have won any of those awards. Did it have Tim Allen in it? It didn't have Tim Allen in it, no. It was... um... Well, actually, what, what happened was this week, I watched quite a few really long films for some reason. I started on Tuesday with The Abyss, which I then reviewed last week. Then I watched um, Akira Kurosawa's Red Beard, which is about two hours and 50 minutes long. I watched another film, which was two hours long. But in between all these different films, I watched um, Hoop Dreams, Mm. which is a documentary by Steve James. It's about two different black youths in Chicago who both share a dream of playing basketball in the NBA. It's quite a famous documentary, but it is about 170 minutes long. So it's, I have been putting off watching it for ages, but finally got round to it. Have any of you guys seen Hoop Dreams? I have, yeah. You recommended you it to me. I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's brilliant, as I'm sure Owen will agree with. 
I, I do agree. It was brilliant. I really liked it. Um, for anyone who's sort of not watched it, it's about these two guys, William Gates and Arthur Aggie. Or Aggie? Aggie. Um, yeah, Arthur Aggie, I think. Although heading, uh, they're head, although they're heading in similar directions, they both kind of follow fairly different routes to try to sort of get there, um, to become these sort of professional basketball players. Um, William's got this very overbearing and pushy coach who makes him sort of train hard. He has to be professional all the time. Um, and over the course of the film, he kind of he drives William to sort of tears about his performance. Uh, but he also, you know, William has lots of other things. So he suffers injury setbacks. He meets a girl so, and so on. Um, and he begins gradually questioning his own motivation for setting this goal of playing in the NBA through the course of the film. You know, is it for money? Is it to change his life and where he, where he comes from? Is it because his brother sort of vicariously living out his life through him? Or is it actually because he genuinely does have an adoration for the sport? And then on the other hand, you have um, Aji, who is the opposite. And he's just full of energy and life and getting up to mischief and just being a, a teenager, really. And he wants to play basketball because it's fun and so he can, you know, have a lot of fame and stuff through it. And then he basically you see him having to go through the school system and sit through class and squandering some chances that he gets due to both misfortune, stuff that kind of befalls his family and in particular his dad. Um and it's sort of out of his hands. But then it's even due to his own undoing sometimes. So basically, he does the absolute bare minimum to get by in school, just so long as he can remain in the basketball team and hang out with his mates. But, you know, he also, like I say, has a lot of problems uh, with his home life. Um, and his mom has to try and raise him and his brothers, who comes across as a real sort of legend in this film. She's really got quite a difficult job, but she does really well. But, you know, it's, it's not... It's not specifically a film about basketball it's really a documentary about the u.s educational system and um certainly more so than it is about black american kids playing basketball really it's about what's the the driving factor between these kids being pushed towards amateur and professional basketball contracts is it kind of to lure them into university or college because they can't afford it unless they get a sports scholarship uh, and the whole idea of becoming a, a pro is just the great american dream and how there's like it's almost played like it's an underhandedness that what happens is they sneak some proper education into them without them realizing and it's you know it's kind of about capitalism i guess you know these professional sports clubs with their millions of dollars in sponsorships and how they can help these underprivileged kids from desperate backgrounds to get a degree and get education even if that's not really what they think they want um, or it could be the opposite to that which is that the system's so fucked anyway that they've got absolutely no chance of getting a decent education and the only thing they can do is try and get it through playing sports where you see in, in the film the, there's some white kids. There's a school which is predominantly white children who just have a better education anyway. Um, so you know, you've got sort of the race and class and social uh, situation that, that plays a, lot, a large part in it. About crime and drugs in the area. How people are kind of de destined to repeat the mistakes of their parents. And it's it's just a bit tragic in, in, in most parts. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really, it is quite sad. But I guess that does sound a bit patronising coming from sort of me who's sitting in my very white middle class house feeling sorry for black disadvantaged teenagers living in high crime neighbourhoods in America. Because it's not something that affects me. I just watch it and go, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. I'll just go and microwave some popcorn and sit and watch this film on my big sofa. 
and it makes you feel a bit uncomfortable. But, you know, the documentary itself is really fascinating. I think it's because it's the way it's made. Um, it's really engrossing. I only intended to watch like an hour of it on Netflix and then come back to it like the next day because I thought it's going to be too long to sit through in, in one one sitting. But then I did sat, I sat there and watched like the entire three hours in one go. Um, and it's just brilliant. It really is brilliant. I think the only thing I could liken it to is if like David Simon of The Wire and The Corner and Generation Kill and that, if he decided to make a documentary about some kids in Chicago instead of like The Corner in Baltimore. That's kind of how it feels because it's got this very, well, it is real because it's, you know, it's about real people. And, and it, but it just doesn't feel like they've over-dramatised anything. So it, for, it sort of gives you like the impression that actually that this is a really honest portrayal, which is great. I, you know, that's what I like in documentaries. So yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, the, the only other thing it reminded me of is Sister Act, because <laughs> the one there's, like a, there's like that, it's because it's set in the early 90s, late 80s, I think, to, through to the early 90s, and there's a school class which is full of kids who look like exactly the type of class that Whoopi Goldberg tried to tame in Sister Act, full of these loud, oh, unruly, controllable Sister Act 2. Get... Was that Sister get Act 2? Sister Act right. Yeah. <laughs> or we'll call yeah. out. <clears throat> Okay, so I apologise, yeah. But all they needed really was a good nun to come in and sort them out. But um, yeah, the Hoop Dreams is is, is is brilliant. Sister Act 2, not so much, but Hoop Dreams is yeah, just Going excellent. back to 1994 in film, um, how did Tim Allen win anything for the Santa Claus? Look at the films you had in. Like, you had the top gross, 10 grossing films of 94, The Lion King, Forrest Gump, True Lies, The Mask, Speed, The Flintstones, forget that one. Uh, Dumb and Dumber, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Interview with the Vampire, The Vampire Chronicles, and Clear and Present Danger. There's also stuff like Shawshank released that year, Mighty Ducks 2. How has Santa, <laughs> the Santa Claus won anything? I've got a real soft spot for True Lies. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. It's a good film. Look at the Simons I'm getting. <laughs> I've never been. Oh, it's, it's quite good. There's a scene with a Learjet that is quite enjoyable. Yeah. I feel a bit dirty for admitting it. <laughs> just, just come on, Phil. Just join in. <laughs> Turtles are good. Arnold Schwarzenegger's fine. I'm on a Owen. film podcast. Aren't I? Owen, what, <laughs> Owen, what, what two John Claude Van Damme films were released in 1994? You don't get any points for this, but you like him, so Time Cop and Double Impact. Ah, oh, was it Double Impact? No, or Universal Soldier. No, Time Cop was one of them. The other yeah. is Street Fighter. Ooh, oh, fuck, of course it is. I can't even defend that. I one, beg your so pardon. That's how bad that is. It's not too bad, really. It's not the worst film ever made. Mm. Anyway. Um... <laughs> there, were t- there were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles films worse than it. Don't, don't, Owen. It's not a fight you want to Anyway, Wiki Shuffle, what have you been watching this week? I'll start us off. I was very <laughs> pleased to see this week on Netflix that my favourite film of 2014 had appeared on, on Netflix. So I took the opportunity to watch The Guest again. Um, the Adam Wingard horror, thriller, chiller. It's, I don't really know how to define it. And that's what's so wonderful about it. Um, absolutely adore this film because it's completely 80s throwback but still embracing feeling quite modern and different at the same time and you're just never sure where it's going even when it's going there and it it takes a while (laughs) to get where it's going the basic premise is um 
that uh, a chap called David turns up at the um, played by Dan Stevens from off of out of da- Downton Abbey um, <laughs> turns up at the house of a, a grieving family who've lost a son um, at an unspecified war, but we suspect it's out in Afghanistan. Um, and he says that he was serving with their son and that they'd, he'd asked, been asked to come and say hello and find them and make sure they were all OK. After his son had died, he was there with him when he died. And right from the outset, there's clearly something proper creepy about this chap, David, but you're not quite sure what it is. Um, and he befriends the, um, the the family all individually. He sticks up for the, um, the son in particular, who's getting bullied at school. And it runs into all kinds of cliches from that point of view. Um, but it gets away with all of them. And because it does it with such gusto and such conviction against this ridiculous 80s synth soundtrack all of which should be far too preposterous to even be listenable or watchable (laughs) but every turn it pulls it off with a real style and interest that I just adored Um, and thankfully it it really stood up to a second watch as well Um, so I was really glad to see it again I've got this film I just haven't watched it yet but you've sold it to me like so well (laughs) it's all the things I like it is, it is really good. Phil, have you seen Your Next by Adam Wingard? Um, I actually, as soon as I got home from watching The Guest, I downloaded it the same night um, because I was so desperate to see some more of his work and I wasn't disappointed. Um, I, I thought Your Next was brilliant as well. Um, mm. a, a proper balls-out horror that wasn't afraid of being what it wants to be, didn't have any airs or graces at all. Um, and, yeah. It was, good. It was stupid. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed it. It was just sort of campy fun. I quite enjoyed it, but it's um, it doesn't inspire me with confidence about the guest. But Phil has not uh, won me round there, so I will if, give if it a go. If you think it's stupid, I am going to friggin' love it. Chris, it'll be your film of the decade. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be up there. They're both great films, though. The guest and your next. I think I probably just about just about prefer the guest. Are you of the same opinion or? Uh, yeah, I do prefer the guest. I think it's it's a bit more accomplished in mm. what it's trying to take on and the way that it, it plays with those expectations and those genre conventions without mocking them. And it would have been so easy for it to have just come across as a piss take and for everybody involved to not feel as though they were properly committed to what they were doing. Um, but it, it doesn't at all. It feels genuinely passionate about the characters that it's portraying, all, bit, all it being in a, a very silly setting. There's no doubt about There's a lot about it that is ridiculous, but it pulls all that back by its sincerity and the way that it keeps that up. Um, so yeah, absolutely cracking film. Yeah. And next wiki shuffler. I watched... I've been watching True Detective, so I've watched the first four episodes of the new series of that, and I don't like it. Oh. Why don't, why don't you like it? I don't. I, I can't work it out. I like the characters. There's just something off about it. It's just not coming across right. I don't like Colin Farrell's... Like, he seems really boring. It's just a boring character. I don't know. Um, it's, not, it's not doing it for me. Um, I think... Is it Rachel McAdams? Mm. Um, I think she's so like just two D in it. It's just it's just not working for me the same way the first series did, which is making me think that maybe because I put that on such a pedestal that series two was never gonna. I mean Vince Vaughn, I like Vince Vaughn in it. I think he's good, but um, yeah, it's just something that's a bit off. I've, I've watched four now. A lot of people say that. I haven't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to catching up with it, but. A lot of reviews have said that the tone's a bit off. It's just and, weird. It doesn't yeah. feel... I mean, the first series felt a bit weird anyway, but that was the point. It was about, you know, religion and 
you know, old values and faith and stuff. And this one is obviously like about vice, but um, it's not, it's just not working for me. And I'm a bit disappointed because <laughs> I was really looking forward to it. I've only seen half an episode, um, which mm. in itself doesn't bode particularly well, that um, <laughs> I didn't even feel compelled to finish that first episode. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that I have hated every single film that Vince Vaughn has ever been in. Whoa, Swingers? Oh, I hate Swingers hate so swingers. much. Jurassic so Park much. 2? All of, his, all of his other stuff, fair enough, but Swingers, come on. Jurassic Park 2. Oh, it's yeah, he was in Jurassic yeah. Park 2, wasn't he? I'd forgotten about that, but it's still the weakest of the original trilogy of... Well, I think he was, he was the cameraman, wasn't he? Yeah, mm. and inexplic- inexplicably goes missing in the final act. Like, he's on the <laughs> helicopter when it leaves the island, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then the boat turns up in wherever it turns up with a T-Rex on it, and he's not there, and you just think, well, where's he gone? He's part of this now. I think at that point when when the T-Rex makes its way to New York, I think the film was like, you know what? We're we're all done now. We're all really (laughs) tired. The T-Rex is here. He's a dog. (laughs) What else he was in? Run. Anchorman. He was in Anchorman. Not enough to be of consequence. Anchorman's still great, but you wouldn't call that a Vince Vaughn film, would you? Dodgeball? Oh, God. Dodgeball's all right. No. The remake of Psycho. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, an inspired piece of casting. I'm completely with Phil on both of those points, by the way. On both Vince Vaughn being absolutely terrible in everything that I've seen him in as well. But also, I got about 20 minutes into True Detective and turned it off. Yeah, I just think it's really boring. Um, Vince Vaughn's probably the best thing about it, and I'm not a massive Vince Vaughn fan. Um, Wedding he, crashes. He's fine, he's, uh, but no, mm. I just didn't like it. I'm really struggling with it. I'll keep watching it. I'll watch it to the end. It's only it's only ten episodes in a series of True Detective. Is it ten? Mm. I think it's Well, the last one was eight, I think. Wasn't yeah. it? Hey, I'll finish it because it's halfway through now, and I hope I change my mind about it because. I think the, the first series only really truly kicked in in episode four. And yeah, this no, is the thing. Um, no, I disagree. I think it was fant- I think it got st- it sort of peaked in episode four and then went slowly downhill and then dropped off a cliff for the last couple of episodes, which just didn't work for me at mm. all. Especially the last one where they changed the perspective entirely um, and started showing things that were off of the main characters that don't alter the mood that much. Especially mm. if you're not going to do it mm. well, you're going to turn it mm. into some weird TV cop procedural thing. Yeah. Whatever the hell that last episode was. I mean, I, I'm not going to spoil anything because it's literally been the other day. But um, I, think I watched the fourth episode of the, the second series last night and they try and do a similar thing that they did in the fourth episode of the first series. Long, continuous take. Sort of. It was a very long sequence. Yeah. And it just, it didn't, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. It's just a completely not what I expected from that. Um, considering the cast is so good and it looks great and the theme song's brilliant, but it's just it doesn't it's just not good to me. Which is a shame. Couples retreat. <laughs> That's an idea. <laughs> That's an idea. You know, uh, the, how these things turn out. Yeah. Four Christmases. Can't say I've seen that one. No. The internship. Oh god, that was the one that was The Google where, one. Yeah. Fred Claus. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not talking you're not around. The, uh, no, he he did a remake of um of Starbuck, a French Canadian film, um last year or the year before. Uh, they changed the name to 
I don't know, some shite, I can't remember. Um, it? It, delivery Man. Delivery like the Man. The man who donated yeah. sperm and had loads of kids or something. Yeah, yeah. I remember James um, talking about it on Fail Critics years ago, um, and I watched it because of that review, and it is a fantastic sort of easy-watch comedy, so I'd recommend that to anyone. I think that's actually on UK Netflix as well. He's a bit of a, an anomaly, really, isn't he, Vince Vaughn? Because it's not, he's not a stand-up, he's not a comedian. He's just an actor, but a comic actor that's not necessarily that's not funny. very good. Yeah. Mm. A comic actor that's not funny and can't <laughs> act. Great. He just he's knows people. Jo- he's got two jobs to do and he can't do either of them. <laughs> he's just, I think, in with that crowd where he knows people like Will Ferrell and therefore he gets in films. Will Ferrell and Ben Stiller. I think if they're your mates, then you've pretty much got it made in American comedy. And uh, final wiki shuffler. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the only film I've seen in the last 10 days is one that I don't have a huge amount to, talk, um, to say about. Uh, it was Minions, which, <laughs> if you're anything like me, you will be sick to the back fucking teeth of Minions and their little yellow knob-end-headed little dick-headed well, I think I think I explained it the week last week when we did the do re- release review of it that it's down to middle-aged women putting pictures like the on Facebook with meant to be funny quotes about drinking wine next to it. Yeah, that, that, that no minions that has, ever fucking yeah, say. That has ruined minions for me is yeah. middle-aged women. Yeah, definitely. Not sectarianism. Yeah. Have you seen that today? Attached to the front of a drummer in the um, what's the the flute parade thing in oh, Northern the Ireland? Orange. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that. They've strapped a minion to the drum, so now the minions are sectarianists. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. They are bad guys, <laughs> after all. Yep. Um, yeah, so I was I was dreading this, because they're everywhere and they're pissing me off. Um, but actually, I really enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. Um, it was funny almost the whole way through. It, it did miss Steve Carell, and Gru is my favourite thing about Despicable Me. Um, but yeah, it was it was perfectly acceptable. That's all I have to say about it. These these aren't the words I expected to come out of your mouth. No, me neither. But I, I chuckled. It was fun. F- fun? Yeah. You don't have fun. <laughs> Sometimes I have fun, and I had fun watching The Minions at 3pm on a Monday afternoon. So leave me alone. Oh, okay. Suspicious. But that's it. You know, it's, it's definitely one to watch um, if you enjoyed the, the first two Despicable Me films. It it is it was quite funny actually. It did make me chuckle. I don't think it was it, it had a story at all really. I mean, it kind of had enough to get by, but it wasn't like the first Despicable Me has a story, but it's obviously something that's just about family and bringing people together and what that really means and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, whereas this is just minions doing a series of sketches, really. Yeah. But it's it is quite fun. Oh, I did I like- enjoy that. Um roughly 5,000 human beings die in the first five minutes of it as well. Which was, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. I have watched this week uh, what would probably be Owen's idea of hell, and I watched the original Star Wars trilogy back-to-back on Saturday. I had a really boring day, but it, oh, it's just fun, isn't it? It sounds like a really boring day. Shut up. <laughs> I'm with yeah. Owen. Yeah, me too. <laughs> what? What's wrong with everyone? <laughs> <laughs> what is literally what is wrong with all of you? I mean, <laughs> how can you? It's just fun. The it whole is, that's all it is. It's Bear in mind, fun. I also like the turtle, so siding with me is in no way. But the, the original <laughs> Turtles film is brilliant, it's really good. Yeah, but I mean, have he... you not seen the Star Wars stuff coming out of Comic Con <laughs> this week? It's just fun. 
That's all it is. I've got no problem with that. I don't understand how you can dislike dislike fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Don't look at me. I love minions. It's space. It's space and there's guns and lightsaber and magic and everything. It's fun. Get over it. Yeah. I don't even know what it I mean. Star Wars. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the other thing I started watching this week on Netflix was the Daredevil TV show, which I'm a bit behind on, obviously. But I've seen three episodes now. Really enjoying that. Um, mm. Better than the other Marvel TV output that I've seen, which has been Agents of Shield, which has has been more, more bad than good and more very bad than bad. Yeah, De- I quite liked Daredevil. I thought it was good, so it was just fine. It, it wasn't even three... like a proper Marvel-y thing. It was just fine. Yeah, it was. It was really good. It, but was Episode Three the one with the hallway fight? I th- think that rings a bell. Yes. Okay, because that was the moment I was watching it, and I thought they've really this is really good. This is like nothing else Marvel have done. What, it's... what are the TV shows that they put out? Daredevil, Agents of Shield, and Agent Carter. Yeah. And have you seen? And have you seen Agent Carter? Is that? Uh, well, it's just just started in the UK on FX or Fox or whatever that channel's called now. Yeah. Um, but I think it's been on like um, Scandinavian versions of Netflix for a while. But otherwise, yeah, it's only just started to to be seen in the UK. I watched the first half of the first episode. Don't normally just do that. I know I've mentioned that for True Detective and their Agent Carter, but yeah, I don't know. It kind of looks all right. I've heard good things about it, but I don't think anything will live up to what Daredevil did. The best thing about Daredevil, actually, is uh, Wilson Fisk. He's, oh, Vincent D'Onofrio, yes. He's just absolutely superb in that. He's the best developed villain that we've seen in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. I will I will stake yep. some money on that. What, you mean that he's been slightly developed? <laughs> Loki's slightly developed, but yeah, definitely... Actually, no, uh, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, that was pretty good. That, that, was, that yeah. whole arc for him was... Hmm. That was cool. I just think every Marvel film needs Loki as the bad guy, and it'll be fine. Even the ones that look like they're going to flop, just have... Just, if it looks like it's going to be bad, just throw him in it and it'll be fine. <laughs> but then it gets like the actual comics where if a comic, like if DC are writing a comic and it's not selling enough, we'll put Batman in it. Batman can appear in this episode and then suddenly pe- loads of people buy it. And it's... Yeah, that, that's definitely not the tactic they've used for the next um, Superman <laughs> film at all, is it? Exactly. Um, anyway, to end this part, I've done some more wiki shuffling and I ended up with Diane Keaton. Oh, I love Diane Keaton. Yeah, bit of trivia here. She featured as Kay Adams in The Godfather, The Godfather Two, and The Godfather Three. But I bet none of you knew that she also played Kay Adams Corleone in The Godfather Saga, a TV miniseries from 1977. Wasn't the miniseries the films edited into a miniseries? Uh, it was The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. Apparently, now I've just found out. <laughs> over, four, over four consecutive nights. I don't know why they've done that. <laughs> well, they were long films, I suppose. But there you go, I did know that. You did. <laughs> yep. Had additional scenes, though. So, um, is there any more on a Wikipedia page? Or is there's, there's, quite, there's quite a lot. Um, she had a relationship with Al Pacino. Uh, she's adopted two children. She um, considers herself agnostic. She's an opponent of plastic surgery. Um, anything else you want to know about her? I'll see if I can find it on a Wikipedia page. What is her opinion of Woody Allen? Um, no comment. 
Is that her opinion or is that just you saying <laughs> no comment? Both. What about Warren Beatty? Um, is that also no comment? Yeah, she dated him. Um, most reclusive star since Garbo, she said. What, she is or Warren Beatty? No, what she said that of him. Reclusive? Didn't he, in Dick Tracy, I'm sure he pissed someone off because he didn't cast her in a role because no, she refused sorry. to get he said, that, he said that of her. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just listen to me. I'm sorry. It's all right. Um, and she is going to be voicing a character called Jenny in the upcoming Pixar film Finding Dory. Mm. Oh, is that still coming out? <laughs> I it's completely still, forgot it's, about that. It's, it's still happening. It's due yeah. for release on June the 17th next year. Oh, wow, well, soon. Great. Does anyone care about that? Yeah, I, look, Pixar can do whatever and they'll always go and see their films. It's been mm. confirmed that characters from the first film will be appearing in the sequel, including Dory, Nemo, Marlin, and the Tank Gang. I don't know who the Tank Gang are. Yeah. Oh, the Tank. The Just the guys tank. in the Tank, yeah. I was thinking more uh, actual Tank, and it didn't make any sense to me. No, that was no, I uh, realized we were talking about fish. In Finding Nemo, yeah. I don't remember that scene. That was the latest yeah. Planet of the Apes film. I forgot that tanks, <laughs> I forgot there's different types of tanks. <laughs> well, that's like the age old joke, isn't it? Two fish in a tank, one says, You man the guns and I'll drive. I thought it was one says to the other, How do you drive this thing? Or could be that. I suppose. Those two <laughs> jokes are essentially the same. It's the same <laughs> pun, yeah. Same twist. Wow. There we go. Anyway. That's all for this part. Up next, we'll be reviewing Ted 2, Dear White People, and some other new releases as well. Our first new release being reviewed this week is Song of the Sea. And who has seen that? Just one of us. Uh, I have Jack from Wiki Shuffle. Hello. Um, (laughs) So Song of the Sea is an Irish animation by the folks that made the Book of Kells. I don't know if anyone's seen that. I haven't. No. Very well-regarded animated film. Um, It stars Brendan Gleeson, who everyone loves, and Mm -hmm. Lisa Hannigan, um, who's also great. and She's on the the soundtrack as well. Uh, It's basically an animated version of an old Irish folk tale uh, in which a young boy discovers that his sister is a selkie which is a seal, a, a woman who's partly seal. Uh, so it's an Irish, Scottish and Faroese um, folklore tale. Which part of her is a seal? Just just like bits <laughs> here and there. It's sort of, sort of like a mermaid book, but as a seal, it's um, it's interesting. It's not something I'd, I'd known about before, despite but, having Irish and Scottish heritage. But, but is, you know, it, why is, not? It, is, is the top half seal and the bottom half woman or the other way around? Which would you prefer, Steve? That's, that's the that's the question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's, been, it's actually it's been a while since I saw this. I saw this when I was in Ireland, and it was released a while back. Um, and I can't really remember. I think she's got like a seal tail, or do seals have tails? Yes, they do. I don't know. No, they just have feet. They're just one big tail. They're just a tail. <laughs> <laughs> she's just a, a, a young girl with a, a big seal tail. I don't know. <laughs> a young girl with a big appendage. Yes, yes, sure, yeah. we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, she's also a mute. Uh, she hasn't really had much luck. So her, her brother decides that he must find her voice and... How come su- he's not part of Seal? Oh, I can't remember. Different different dads? No, no, they have the same dad. That's that's Brendan Gleeson, and they, they... I don't know. I, I never really got around to explaining that. Doesn't it make might sense. have done. I don't science, know, it was a little while, I can't really remember. So. science in this film sounds a bit ropey. 
Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's very like um, Studio Ghibli films, which are heavy on the fantasy elements. Uh, it's very like Ponyo, actually, mm. if anyone's seen that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, basically, he, he he wants to find her voice and free some supernatural creatures from the spell of a, Celtic, a Celtic goddess. You know, as you do. Don't we all? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd say, actually, if if you don't know this sort of area of Irish folklore, it can be a bit tricky to keep track of what's going on. There's a fair bit of exposition, but I'd say it does leave a few details um, up in the air, which can, yeah, can be a bit difficult. But there are some universal themes to, to stick to. Uh, there's a lot about loss in there, uh, being afraid of a parent's anger, that kind of thing. Just things that kids um, may relate to. Uh, but yeah, selkies and there's wood witches and there's there's something about badgers as well, which you know everyone loves badgers, but I I can't say I know too much about them. And badgers and seals are notorious enemies, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, the, the big badger and seal fight at the end is really good. Uh, I I was uh, I don't want to bring this film down much because it is. One of the most beautifully animated films I've ever seen. It is absolutely stunning. It is Studio Ghibli level stuff. Um, just it just feels like the whole the whole film shimmers almost. It it's really beautiful to watch. To watch. Um, but the story did fall down for me a little bit. It's well put together, but it just bored me in little places. It's sort of like a a, a bad video game where you're constantly on like fetch quests. Mm-hmm. So it's like let's go and find our mother and then it's let's go and find the king of the fairies and then it's let's go find the jacket that you misplaced it's and that is actually the progression in the film which well, sort of gets... r- ramping up the tension <laughs> yeah yeah mother so, king of the fairies jacket so seal, seal versus badger would have been better then that would yeah or seal versus badger 3d sealosaurus seal oh, yeah. versus badger constrictor <laughs> badger constrictor all the way uh, so yeah, the, the story just didn't quite grab me. I think it was quite basic, um, and the animation filled in a lot of the gaps. Uh, it's very heartfelt though, and the last ten fifteen minutes were very sad, and they almost um, got me crying, but but not quite. The girlfriend did cry buckets though, so don't know um, how to cry. <laughs> I, I cry a lot at films, to be honest. <laughs> what was the last film you cried at? Oh, good question. Um, do you know what? I watched the. It's not a film, but I watched the last ten minutes of uh, the TV series Six Feet Under again on YouTube recently. And the first time I watched that, I sobbed my heart out for about half an hour. I cried and cried and cried like a little baby. It was pathetic. Um, and I was an eighteen-year-old boy at this point, you know, trying to. See, with you, I can imagine you like crying at wrestling. I can see that. <laughs> Who cries at wrestling? I don't. You just when people suggest that it's not real. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I watched that on YouTube again like last week, and and yeah, had a little, <laughs> had a little cry at that. So, <laughs> so I, I do get there. I can beat that for a most recent film cried at story, which was earlier today. It wasn't even watching the film; it was discussing the scene in Pride um, with the sandwich cutting. Not to add any uh, spoiling. Yeah. Oh, that's a beauty. And yeah, just just talking about that yeah, with my girlfriend, who's only it, just yeah. well, she'd only just seen it, so we were mm. talking about it, and I didn't see it, but it was enough for me to well up a little. Oh, I, I did have tears in my eyes during Pride, actually. Oh, such a cracker! Yeah, great film. I don't. How oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, how uh, lovely. We're all men with emotions. How how very <laughs> how very twenty first century of us all. Indeed. So if you do want a little bit of a cry, I would recommend Song of the Sea. It's it's not. I wouldn't say the, the story is anywhere near Ghibli standards, but it's definitely worth a watch, um, especially if you're into animation. Um, and yeah, I, it'd be hard to imagine that nobody would be charmed by it on on at least some level. Okay. Um... Next up, Dear White People, a new release from uh, from America. It's been doing well at the likes of Sundance Film Festival and is a, a comedy drama about um, black students mixing into kind of a, a quite prestigious, well, Winchester University in America. Um, I think it's myself and Phil who've seen this one. Yep, uh, I've seen it as well, actually, yeah. Okay, um, so yes, what did we think of it? I mean, it's, it's classed as a comedy. Um, certainly had funny moments in it, but it's not kind of one of those laugh out loud. It's not a comedy in the same way as Ted Two tries to be a comedy, is it? Um, no, it's it's not, and it's not as much as the trailer wanted you to believe it was going to be um, a bit full, more full on comedy as well. It was difficult to know quite what it wanted to be on that spectrum of, of drama through comedy. Yeah. Um, there was definitely moments that made me smile and there was definitely moments where it really knew what it was. And then there were others where I felt it lost its way and it didn't know where it wanted to fit on that spectrum. But I didn't feel like that was accidental. I feel like that was kind of its point. Um, the whole way through, it wanted to... Um, both hold a mirror up to what racism is in the modern American situation, while at the same point saying that's not an answerable question um, and we can poke fun and we can address it seriously. They've got both of those approaches have got as much chance of each other actually getting an answer for this. And that's kind of where it was going through. I, I enjoyed the film. It kept me engaged. Um, I thought visually um, it started off very strongly and then got a little bit tired and wasn't putting as much effort in and, and it waned a little bit on the, the, the visual power that it had got. Um, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I am a white person, um, so I'm target demographic, definitely. Mm-hmm. See, I don't agree. I, I don't think this film is, is for us. And I, I, it says it right there. I know, I know. <laughs> for starters, we, we need... It's got to your name in a title, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I feel like we need to address the fact that we are five white dudes talking about a film called Dear White People. Well, which is... my, my, my girlfriend's black, so I can get away with a few little slips in. I can't, honestly. I just, uh, well, Steve, I have loads of friends who are black, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Go ahead. I think I was finished. Are you done? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I echo all of those points from Phil, really. Um, I feel I like most of the praise that was given to the film was sort of, it, uh, it sounds a bit harsh, but I think, yeah, I think the praise given to the film was doing so based on what it's trying to do rather than what it actually achieved. Uh, it's just so self-conscious. Which, which is kind and, of what the, is, is not, not partly what the film's about exactly, in itself it's, as well. It is part of the, it's part of the, the point but I just couldn't allow my my brain to go with it without sort of analysing every single little you, thing you, and every you, line and trying to figure you, out what the director's saying. And it is the point, but at the same time, I couldn't just sit, settle into it and enjoy it as a film. It's not immersive. Definitely no, not an immersive no. film. It's making you think about what you're thinking about, which is a, a, a valid aim, but it's, it's not a, a very Hollywood take on you, what a film should be. Do you think, no. it, do you think that having an understanding of either 
black culture or black American culture or American college life and American college culture would have helped you understand and enjoy this film? Or do you think you know enough about that anyway to kind of get what it was all about? Uh, I, I think I, yeah, I think I know enough that I, I got the gist, but I'm, there was definitely a few references in there that just went right over my head. Yeah. Um, Phil? Um, yeah, it, it very consciously took the black experience away from the location where it's traditionally um, experienced on screen. So we were in a, the, the film takes place in a, in an Ivy league university um, where it's very privileged people everywhere. Um, and so that, that conversation becomes um, a very high minded one um, that's taking place very knowingly, um, but with, different levels of agenda and whether whether we've experienced that specifically before i don't think we have but the background of understanding racial tension it's not been underreported, shall we say um in in film and and the media generally god this has gone all very um news night review hasn't it <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, the first quick. time. It's the first time that's ever happened on this yeah th- throw some more vince vaughan films at us steve yeah. quick next up ted two oh, that'll do god. yeah that'll lower the tone yeah, won't it just? Yeah. Uh, oh! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's your time to shine, Chris. Yes. I, no, I've got so, nothing yes. to say about this film. Yes, Ted 2, the sequel to Ted, uh, made by Seth MacFarlane of Family Guy fame and also starring uh, Mark Wahlberg, um, reprising their roles from the original. Um, what do we think? Basically... My opinion was not as good as the first one, which isn't as good as Family Guy at peak. He's, a, he's just diminishing returns now, um, except that Wild Wild West film that he did, which was rubbish. I didn't really like the first film, and I think this one's even worse, to be honest. The first I, one had a couple moments. I can't even remember most of it. As soon this as is the what plot, I think I don't remember anything that happened in it, and I saw no. it at the weekend. <laughs> as plot was developing in Ted Till, I was like. What are they talking? Oh yeah, there was that other girl who he was with in the first film, and then married, and they they're divorced because she didn't want to do the second film. She didn't want to be in the, the second film. Um, it was just really quite boring. I thought I watched it in, in the cinema. Granted, it was sort of like the middle of the day, um, but there was still quite a few sort of people. I think it's aimed at, which are presumably like college aged kids you know people about 16 17 well it's whoever's family guys aimed at really isn't it i suppose yeah probably yeah but i don't think i even heard them laughing through it i think most people were just sort of sat there a bit stony faced at it which is odd because i've heard it's for people who like family guy apparently it's meant to be really good but i didn't i didn't get that at all i had people laughing at for you know in the screening i was in and i laughed a few times i don't think it was certainly not the perfect comedy and it's not as good as the, the first one which I didn't particularly go that much on either but yeah um, I think it's one of those things if you don't like Family Guy you're not going to like this no. because it's not your type of humour um, I think it's a Family Guy I don't know if it's one of the things I've grown out of because I did find it funny when I watch it back now I don't find it as funny the mm. newer episodes I certainly don't find it but, so I don't know if it's one of those things like that you grow, I've grown out of, or if it's just stopped being funny. I, I think it just got a bit stale. But yeah. American Dad was similar, you know, up to the first three seasons. I thought it was quite funny. Yeah. But 
I can't be bothered to watch it anymore. And I think it's just no. it's the same thing over and over and over. Every I think it's the worst possible thing that can happen to a comedy film when it's like, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, mm. I've got nothing really, really, really negative to say about it. I, but I've got, I can't remember anything good or funny. Yeah. It's, mm. it's fine. Well, let me step in and say something because <laughs> I fucking hated it. <laughs> I was and I was going in expecting to feel the same way as I felt about the first film, which was, yeah, it's fair enough. It's trying mm. to do something there. It's um, a different idea than we've seen before. I'll give it a, a crack. I thought it was lazy and tired and that nobody involved had put in the mildest bit of effort with it. And that was the bit that I found the most unforgivable about it mm. is that nobody seemed to be putting the effort in. There were ideas in there that were so completely underdeveloped like oh I wonder what would happen if Ted drives a car okay that's a great starting off (coughs) put some jokes in with that because there was nothing (laughs) that it was just a series of these half-hearted ideas that were just completely underdeveloped because nobody had taken enough time and effort on them and that to me is unforgivable because even A Million Ways to Die in the West which is not a great film you felt as though they were trying. They'd got a premise there that was original and they'd really had a crack at doing something different. And the same with the first Ted film. They were having a go at it. On this yeah. one, they just phoned it in. And the scenes in, let's go to Comic-Con. That's going to be great yeah. to watch. Haven't actually got any ideas of what we're going to do when we get there, but let's do that anyway. It's bound to be funny. And that's that's lazy writing. It's lazy producing. And the whole thing just felt as though it was half half arse mm. the whole way through um let's throw money at morgan freeman who mm. on earth thought well i wasn't going to go and see that film but now i know it's got morgan freeman in it i'm there he did yeah. every film isn't he spend the budget on writing it better yeah well the liam neeson thing was just cringeworthy oh, yeah. what was that yeah. was, it the... was an element of it felt like it was funding something else there's a point the point of this film is money revenue laundry. Yeah. I also I don't maybe it's just me being really um sensitive, but I thought the the whole comparison between Ted being treated as a human or rep, you know, legally becoming classed as a human and comparing that with the abolition of slavery was just really crass. Morgan Freeman it... was involved in that bit, so it's all right. That's literally how it felt. And I thought there were... I'm not going to accuse anyone in it of being racist, but I thought there were lots of jokes at black people's expense rather than laughing with Not, not as an excuse, but that's a, that's a theme through Family Guy as well, where they, where they take pot shots at everyone. Um, but then that's the same with South Park. So, I mean... Yeah, maybe. Just, just because you don't find the film funny, can you really criticise it for, for that kind of thing when you're, when you're laughing at it in something else? Not, um, that's not directed at you personally. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But I don't think they were... Some of them just... It it didn't really feel like it was a joke. It just felt a bit out of place and sort yeah. of bordering on being offensive. And, you know, a lot of it, as Phil said, it's just really lazy. The whole idea of putting callbacks into uh, into a film, th- running throughout like that, is it's going to be something that's funny and it has a payoff. The whole, uh, like, Black Cocks... Thing it was oh, just was re- dire. It was awful from the first moment they used that g- gag, and then like was it four times on since then? It was just horrible. I really didn't like it. Um, I think stoner comedy in general 
is yeah. just a horrible genre because <laughs> there is nothing more boring than watching somebody get stoned. Yeah. There is nothing more dull than that. And it's yeah. so very dated now. Yeah. It's whole... not, there's no shock value associated yeah. with it whatsoever. No. Somebody using a bong of itself is not a joke. There's no, there's no shock value in drugs now unless you see someone shooting up crack. Well, even that's kind of lost its sort of edge, hasn't it? Has it? Maybe in a film. Yeah, I still think it's quite tasty. Yeah, it's very Moorish. I don't know what crack you're getting hold of, Owen, but I've been offered crack twice in my life. Okay, the first time I was in London, and some guy just walked past. This last guy just held out his hand and was offering us some crack. Stood outside a pub. I was like, "Uh, no, thank you." And then he carried on. Was very polite. Declined him very politely. Second time I was in a video shop. And the guy, I was having a laugh with him about whatever DVD it was I was buying second hand. He says, if you want some crack, talk to this guy. He's your man. I was like, um, I'm all right, thanks, actually. I could do it there. I'll just get the DVD if that's all right. <laughs> what DVD was it? I, was, I can't remember. I think it was... Did it establish uh, you as like somebody who would want some crack like based on what film you were buying? No, it was. It, I remember that. It was uh, Super Cop. It was like the opposite sort of film. It's about a fucking policewoman. <laughs> they normally but, try and upsell me, you know, a chocolate bar or a yeah. poster or yeah. a key ring in HMV. But is that what the kids do now? They hope, oh, I'm going to watch Ed <laughs> Two. I'm going to better get some crack for the yeah, for the yeah. crack instead of the popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Were you renting Requiem for a Dream? Because that is kind <laughs> of asking for it. Imagine how much crack would be if you bought it from a cinema based on what popcorn and drinks cost. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, but you know, I thought there were a couple. What I liked about Ted Two was some of the off-the-cuff jokes were quite funny. Um, there's the there's no such thing as chicks with dicks. One made me laugh. Um, I can't remember. There was another one which also made me sort of chuckle a bit. But it's just when they're little jokes like that that are thrown in. The little little throwaway one-liners one were quite funny, mm. but most of the time it was never like proper belly laughs. It was just sort of, <laughs> yeah, that was all right. And I then it... the idea of Ted is more funny than Ted itself. I think that's the problem that they've had. Like, you know, he's got a bear. Bowl. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> they, that's they... the end. Um, oh, I would marry have already done that 10 years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remembered what the other joke was. I don't know if it's going to be classed as a spoiler, but it is also term, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles related. It's when Giovanni Rabisi, whose character's name is Donnie, is dressed up as Raphael mm. instead of Donatello. Who's called Donny? Just passed me by. Did that go that right? Right. Hello, I, no, I don't. Huh. Did I see this film? I did see this <laughs> film. <laughs> it's at the Comic Con where he's dressed up as Raphael. Oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But his name is Donny. His real name is Donny. It's just, it's such a forgettable film. <laughs> yeah, immediately forgot all about it. Yeah. I was quite surprised Mattel. You know, we've been moaning about product placement the last few weeks. We're quite openly happy. I suppose it's not really aimed at their target audience, but quite openly happy to have themselves as a, a bad guy. Was it Mattel? Was it a different toy? No, that was his excuse when they asked him who he was. Uh, which for. one was it? It was Hasbro. Hasbro, oh. yeah. So that's well, how much I remember. Just a <laughs> basement, isn't it? Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just. Mm. Yeah, oh, I think by the time Ted 3 comes out, and it most likely will come out, I'll have forgotten all about this one as well. It's just, it's just 
just underwhelming. Mm. But I think that's just with all of the output that that McFarlane's putting out at the moment. It's just underwhelming. But not at the box office. I mean, it's more than made its money back. Mm. It, it made thirty-three and a half million on its opening it, it weekend. Because because um, you know BBC Three is still repeating Family Guy about four episodes a night. People obviously still want to watch it. Um, haven't ITV Two or something got the rights to Family Guy now for English TV or the newer episodes or something? I don't know. I'm sure I read that. So, but you know, there's still a demand to watch it, and people watch those repeats ad nauseum. So, of course, he's going to do work at the box office. Mm. It's going to take a big jump to kind of shake it. But you know, just like what I said at the start, is that there are people who do really like Family Guy still who have come out and said this is still really funny. They still like Ted 2 as well. Mm. Um, so I think it's probably, if you're of an audience where, I think you actually said it yourself, if you're someone who really likes Family Guy, you might like Ted 2. If you don't really like Family Guy at all, Ted 2 is not going to change your mind about and, Seth MacFarlane. And if you think Family Guy's alright, you'll think this film's alright. More or less. Well, I kind of thought Family Guy was alright, but I think Ted 2 is a load of bollocks, to be honest. Yep. I'm with you all the way. Okay. Uh, well, it's nearly the end for this podcast. Now, all we've got left to do is recommend some films for the week ahead. Um, Sunday seems to be a absolute goldmine of films on television. Um, with absolutely loads worth watching. But I'm going to pick uh, Under Siege, which is on Channel 5 <laughs> at quarter to 11. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's the one on the boat, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Owen, what are you telling people to watch? Um, not Under Siege. Although that is, I asked my mum. I was really surprised because I was, I asked my mum what her favourite film was once, and I was expecting her to say, you know, some old romantic comedy that I've never seen. She went, um, "What's the one on the boat?" And I went, "Titanic." And she went, "No, Under Siege." I was like, "Oh, fair enough, mum. Yeah, okay." <laughs> Um, My mum loves Die Hard more than you'd think she would. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, so what I'm actually going to recommend is Powell and Pressburger film from 1947, uh, Black Narcissus, which is on Film 4 on Thursday at 12.35pm um, in the afternoon, starring Deborah Kerr as a nun in the Himalayas. But it is really good. It's, a, it's a, one of their best films. Some of the uh, cinematography, uh, cinematography in that film is astonishingly good, especially for the time. It, absolutely, yeah. Okay, uh, Jack? Um, one that I've, I've just seen that's on a UK Netflix is um, Life Itself. Uh, I was going to mention earlier, or I, I might have mentioned it, or I might have just thought it in my head. I can't remember. <laughs> but um, that Roger Ebert's favourite film was Hoop Dreams, or at least it's one of his favourite films. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So, yeah... It, in that spirit, um, life itself, the documentary on Roger Ebert's life, which he would be um, very proud of. I, I think it's a it's a truly fantastic documentary, and it's not just about Roger Ebert. It's it's about, as the title suggests, life itself. Hmm. Okay, um, Phil, I haven't prepared anything for this bit. I wasn't ready. Sorry. That's all right. right. <laughs> Fine. Fine. I don't know what to do. I have just seen that there's a trailer come out for Fargo season two, which I'm going to be watching the second we finish recording this. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I recommend the first season of Fargo in preparation for the second season of Fargo. Mm. And that is Chris, on UK how... Netflix as well. Which is on UK Netflix as well. So, yeah, seamless. Chris, how well have you prepared for this section? I'm, uh, I'm prepared now. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> true lies. 
Hey, watch True Lies. This is a good bit of fun. I'm going to watch that later. Either that yeah. or Secret of the Ooze, Turtle Two. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find these films? I watch a lot of films from a long time ago. <laughs> Video shop uh, and crack. Yeah. Hand in hand. That'll be the name of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, that's all for this week's Fail Critics podcast. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listened and continues to listen. And you can find our website at www.failedcritics.com where articles are going up all the time. Um, thanks to Wiki Shuffle for joining us on this adventure through film and crack and other things. <laughs> um, give you give your site and podcast a, another plug. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> gesticulating at me. Is that the right word? Yeah. Gestating? What? <laughs> no, I don't know. Just no you, you, you were right with gesticulating. Okay, we'll gestating stick with that. means growing. Yes, he's incubating you. Maybe he's doing both. I was gyrating. Gyrating. (laughs) I bet you were. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so wikishuffle.co.uk. And yeah, we've got an episode out on Friday, which is the, if you're listening to this in the future, it might already be out. Uh, Friday the 17th, which is about, can we we reveal what it's about? Yeah, why not? Oh, an exclusive. (laughs) It's about (laughs) slutty popes. And that's what we'll say for now. But um, yeah, slutty popes. And funnily enough, next week, we recorded one last week, and I didn't want to say this at at the time during the quiz, but I'm going to reveal it now. We actually came across, I think, the 1995 uh, Golden Golden Globes. Globes. (laughs) So so we were already familiar that uh, Frasier and Seinfeld had had um, won a lot that week, so that's why most of the guesses were Seinfeld and Frasier-based. But we just didn't think about Tim Allen. Nobody well, does. No, Nobody does. not even his mother. <laughs> no. So yeah, aren't you, aren't you trying to do an award? I listen to your podcast. It's very good. Aren't, you keep mentioning an award on there. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, it is, it is right. very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can vote for us at the UK Podcasters Awards or something like that. Okay. I, don't know. We, I keep meaning to tweet it. If you, if you go on our Twitter at wikishuffle, wikishufflepod, um, I'll tweet something just after this recording, so it'll, it'll be up there. It'll be easy to find. Uh, it takes two minutes to vote for us, and it would be very much appreciated. I know we should might look into that. Maybe I like awards. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's there's any let's all win one. Why not? Yeah, I'm pretty we sure were... that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Nominated for a Leibster Award for the blog, I think. But hmm. yeah, I don't think that meant anything. When I we don't think so. it, did it? No, it was no, no. I don't think we'd win, so there's no point. No. No. It was, Let's it go was, grab some awards. It, it was worse than the standard certificate you get at Sports Day for competing. It, yeah, it was the equivalent of that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that's it for this week's Bell Christmas podcast. Join us next week where we will have uh, reviews of Ant-Man, uh, unless we've all fallen out at the meet-up at the weekend and aren't speaking to each other anymore. <laughs> The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. 
Thanks for listening.